Did you know that Moses' encounters with the Lord is a direct reflection of Jesus himself? Unlike most prophets that are inspired or prompted by Holy Spirit, Moses, like Jesus, spoke directly with Yahweh while listening to the audible voice of return from his father. Upon further examination, we find Moses' encounters with the Lord and the Hebrews appear to mirror Jesus' interaction with God and the Jewish people of his day. We also see revelations from both Old and New Testament prophets pointing to the seasons of Jesus' return directly into the city of Jerusalem in the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We can further deduce precise days that were prophesied thousands of years earlier, lining up with pinpoint precision taken directly from modern-day historical records. Join us now for Moses, Jesus, and 1948, a foreshadow of his return. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark. You're watching and or listening to the Russick Outlook. As always, thank you so much for joining. Today's topic, Moses, Jesus, and 1948, a foreshadow of his return. By his return, I am referring to Jesus, the return of King Jesus. And as we will see, we're going to look at the Old Testament uh, concentrating on the Pentateuch or the Torah, as it's referred to, the books authored by Moses, uh, referring to and pointing some things out. That, that are written in this book and recorded in this book, as well as the annals of history, where we're going to see what I perceive as some mind-blowing examples about the details and the precision of Jesus and his word. Uh, I've often said Jesus is in the details, and, and we're going to uncover some things that I believe would really just kind of, it just, it will, again, prove without the beyond the question of any doubt, the authenticity and the validity of Scripture. There are things in here that I will show you that, that defy anything any, that you can conceive of in the natural that has been recorded thousands of years earlier before these things took place. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. We're going to be getting into uh, the year 1948, the birth of Israel, uh, or the rebirth of Israel, I should say, and we're going to, I'm going to show you some things in there about how this was preordained. And uh, again, going back to some other Old Testament books outside of, of the Torah. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about this. Before we begin, I'd ask if you wouldn't mind, uh, whatever the platform you're on, if you could, please ring the bell, hit the subscribe button. We just notify you of whatever the platform you're on, YouTube, Rumble, all of the podcast platforms. We notify you when a new video comes out, uh, as well as we would love to hear any comments you have, whether you like it or dislike it or agree or disagree. It's all good. Um, and, if and, you know, again, as I say this often, um, if you feel like this information is worthwhile, please share it with others. Share it in, in the various forms of, of social media as well. We're on Instagram. We're on uh, Twitter and some of the others. 
And, and it's all about, for me, getting to the heart of truth, which is the veracity of Christ and Scripture and, and sharing the good news because I believe, and, I, and I'm going to show you some things here, that Jesus is coming soon. And, and he says it in his book. And, and, you know, oftentimes people will say, well, we've heard that before, uh, but I'm going to hopefully if you're a skeptic and and if you are if you're if you're not a believer if you're sitting on the fence you're not sure I'd ask you please sit in and 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 watch this to the end because I think you will see some things in here that would have you pause and think and maybe recalibrate uh, you know your position on things and last if you couldn't if you wouldn't mind I would really really appreciate to please go on the Russick Outlook uh, and, and sign up for our email list. We notify you of new events. I promise you there are some very cool things that are going to be happening over these next couple of months. Beginning in April, we're going to be doing some things. And, and as well as May, we're going to have some some guests come on as podcasts. We're doing some Zoom presentations with, with uh, live audience, if you will, so that you can ask questions, comments, um, and, and just that, that, that's what we're about. We're about exchanging information, getting information out there, and, and again, getting to the heart of truth. So on that note, let me begin. As I said, let me go to the video. Moses, Jesus, and 1948, the foreshadow of his return. So I'm going to be referring to some things, but I wanted that, that have to do with Moses. And I wanted to point something out about how the Jews uh, look at Moses and the difference between him and the prophets, and it, and it really, it lines up, it makes sense. So the Torah, as, as, as I said before, is often called, it's the first five books uh, authored or, or penned by Moses. And Jews say that all inspiration is inspired by God, and, and for that matter, so do Christians, and it says so in the New Testament as well. And some was a dream, some a visitation by an angel, and some with his inspired word. The Torah is different in this sense. And by this, they mean that the Lord spoke directly to Moses. There was an audible voice that, that Moses heard and had that, that conversation back and forth with. Um, and, and where, I, you know, I would say that all, just about all other prophets, uh, with the exception of Jesus, you know, was hearing or, or inspired by, by a prompting um, or, or maybe, I don't want to say, I don't know if the word overcome is right, it's, it's what's coming to my head, by the Holy Spirit. Um, but, but here, and you've got plenty of examples where Moses appears uh, before the Lord, you know, you know uh, on Mount Sinai, the burning bush, the tabernacle, the cloud over the, uh, uh, over the tents. And, and, um, but at any rate, that's what they're referring to as the difference between other prophets let's say Daniel, Ezekiel, and, and some of the others. Uh, a prophet would come under uh, inspirations, M Moses heard directly, and he dictated the word. And you would, you would really have to uh, un understand that because, you know, Moses was born long after the book of Genesis or the accounts of Genesis came into play. So he would have had to have heard that or, you know, directly from the Lord. Um, I'll just go on to say that every letter, every word is key. And, and again, in the details, I'm not going to go into the Hebrew, but, you know, if you're so inclined, uh, you know, there's just so much vast richness in, in the Hebrew letters and the alphabet and the numbers associated with it. Um, and, and just, you know, I just point out this one thing here where um, 
you know, the Russian Jews, when they, when they were burning synagogues, they ran into burning buildings to grab the Torah, to grab the scrolls of the Old Testament because it was alive, it was breathing. It was almost like, you know, how you would run into a building to rescue an infant. You know, they, they treated it the same. So as I said, we're going to talk about a foreshadow. I want to give you a couple of quick examples of foreshadows in the Old Testament that if you're familiar with uh, Abraham and, and, and Joseph, you know, they, you, you, you know what, what that is. So the sacrifice of Abraham to Isaac, I'll go, go to video here, um, you know, it re is a, a correlation to the father sacrificing his son, except, you know, uh, the difference is Yahweh, the father, stopped Abraham from sacrificing his son Isaac, whereas in the case, Jesus fulfilled the mission that was given to him. Then you have the foreshadow of uh, Joseph and Jesus. I give you some examples of, of Joseph because, you know, you may not be familiar um, w with the correlation or the relationship. And I give you this here on video. If, if you want to look some of these up, they were both sent by their fathers. Uh, Joseph and Jesus sought their brethren. Uh, both of them had their brothers rejected them and they plotted their deaths. Uh, Reuben tried to deliver Joseph. Pilate tried to deliver Jesus. Uh, Joseph and Jesus were stripped of their tunics. Um, Jesus' brethren were indifferent, uh, as well as Joseph, to their suffering. Uh, they were resurrected out of the pit. Um, they were both sold as uh, for the price of slaves, and they were, you know, both taken to Egypt. And, and there, you know, there's other things here. There's a whole litany of things. But I'm just giving you examples of how the Old Testament is is really filled with many foreshadows of things to come, events to come, as well as individuals. But we're going to be talking about Jesus and the return of Jesus. So I just kind of wanted to give you an example of where I was going. So if you think about Moses, I'm sure, you know, you're all familiar with the, the account of Exodus and, and the other books and, you know, taking them out of slavery from, from Egypt and what he had to do. And he performed signs and wonders. And, you know, people don't always associate that. But if you think about the things that, that Moses had to do, it was. It was signs and wonders. And those miracles uh, occurred in order for them to believe. It not only uh, would certainly change the mind of many of the Egyptians, but certainly, I would say, encouraged and built the faith of, of the Hebrew slaves. So, you know, and, you know, we all know the accounts of, of, of many accounts of Jesus and um, you know, healing the sick and, and uh, raising, raising the dead and, uh, you know, just healing the blind and, and the cripples and so forth and the lepers, and, and you can go on and on. Turning the water into wine is another miracle, walking on water. So all of these signs and wonders they both had in common. What I'd like to concentrate on is the revelations, the Old Testament revelations on the significance of Moses, Israel, 1948, and the millennium. And the millennium because it is signifies the return of Jesus himself. So that's where I said that, that, that correlation to Jesus um, is, is about his return and the timing of his return. So this is really, really, you know, as I said earlier, it, this was laid out thousands of years before the birth of Jesus. So I'd like to give you a couple of examples of scriptures of where I'm going and kind of the journey I'm going to take you on here. Uh, 2 Peter 3.8 says this, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. 
give you the same interpretation, but in the Old Testament, Psalm 90, verse 4, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. So keeping that in mind, I'm now going to bring you to one of the minor prophets, Hosea, and he says this, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. So if you take into account that the Lord is saying a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, it's a thousand years, as we know in today's vernacular, it is a millennium. It's what we call a thousand year period is what we call a millennium. So I'd like to read this two and three day section, but consider it millenniums. So if you're Hosea 6, 2 would say this, after two millennium, he will revive us. On the third millennium, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. So all of this is about the nation of Israel, the restoration of Israel. Again, I just want to read it one more time. After two millennium, 2,000 years, he will revive us. On the third millennium or the third thousandth year, he will restore us that we will, that we will live in his presence. So hopefully you get the idea of where I'm going. I'm trying, I'm trying to set something up here. Um, I'm going to go to Exodus, back to Moses, and then I'm going to give you uh, something in, in parallel to in, in, in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, let me put this on the screen for a second. And Exodus 19, 9 through 16, I'm going to start at verse 10. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes, and I have this highlighted in green, and be ready by the third day, because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all people. So, you know, I'm going to cut to the chase a little bit. The third day here, the Lord appears, and they they see him visibly through what they were observing um, on Mount Sinai, and this is also what the Lord says will happen with the return of Jesus. He will return on the third day. But I want to stay with Exodus for a moment, uh, jumping down to uh, verse 14. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. So there's a, I, I will tell you right now, there's a direct correlation, but also if you look at this, this is in, in, in a correlation, a relationship to Jesus himself. So Jesus cleanses us. We are forgiven for the cleansing of our sins. So Jesus is preparing us. He's, we are holy. We are, we are clothed in the blood. If you, are, if, if you are a believer in Jesus, you're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus, you've been redeemed. And as, as we will see, that is what happened on the second day. Jesus came in the second day and restored and healed, um, particularly as, as we're talking about the nation of Israel. And it goes on to say, and on the morning of the third day, okay, there was thunder and lightning. It does say that in Revelation. Jesus returned. There'll be thunder and lightning. With a thick cloud over the mountain, which is the presence of the Lord, and a very tr- loud trumpet blast. 
So I want to go to Matthew 24, 30 through 31. Immediately after the tribulation of those, of those days, the sun will be darkened, the, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. He said that all nations on earth would see the sign of his coming and would mourn. Uh, then he stated that they would see, them coming, see him coming with power and glory, that he would send his angels to gather his resurrected followers or his cleansed followers or the ones who prepared themselves, who abstained. Uh, and and uh, his, they would be resurrected with a, with a great sound of, of the trumpet. So notice that, you know, you have the ram's horn, uh, you know, in, in the Old Testament and the trumpet, and I'm sure there'll be some version of that um, at, at his appearing. But to me, I'm looking at some direct correlations, and you'll see where I'm going in a moment. I just wanted to set the stage of Moses, Jesus, and the timing and the second day and the third day. It's just, it's really, it's it's laid out. It's 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 just the Lord, man. He's, it's just, it's I, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm jaded. I will tell you that I, I just love his word and I love uh, the, the, the I'm, I'm going to call them gifts almost or the secrets that you find in his word. Um, Luke, I'm going to go to this. So I, I'm going to go to what the world has been saying. Then they said that, let me, I should have said it this way too. If you remember when Moses was on top of Mount Sinai and the people were grumbling and they were complaining and, you know, where is he? Why is he taking so long? What's going on? And if you remember when he came down, you know, they had prepared the golden calves and they were worshiping idols and they were, you know, gathered in debauchery, if you will. And I, I, I see those similar patterns today where, you know, people would mock Christians and say, you're saying Jesus is coming. When is he coming? When is he coming? Uh, you've been saying this for 2,000 years. And if you think about the state of the world, and, you know, should be no secret to you uh, that that sin is, is just rampant all around the world and just defiance of, of, of just basic human dignity towards one another and, and you know, the, the breaking of laws and the riots and the destruction of property and just the, the disregard to human life uh, ha has just accelerated so much so, you know, in the last 20 years, and I could say, you know, at the point that the last few years, it's just, it, it's just growing and growing. So no secret there, you know that. And I say that because of this. I'm going to go to a couple of different scriptures here, Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus and Moses again. Um, Luke 24, 44 through 49. I'll put this up on the screen for you. He said to them, this is Jesus, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. I just want to pause for one second because you know, there are so many people who would kind of insinuate that the Old Testament is outdated, it's not relevant, and I'm talking about Christians or people who profess to be Christians, you know, because they want the cult, they want to adapt to the culture of the day. So they want to, uh, they, they, they don't want to step on people's toes. So they'll say, you know, some of the things that don't line up with the culture in the Old Testament is, is outdated. But it, it's, it's the furthest thing from the truth. And um, sad to say, I, you know, I, I'm raised Catholic, and I see a lot of my Catholic friends and and uh, on on social media, and they'll say things or they'll insinuate things like this. 
Um, but Jesus himself says, everything written about me is in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So if it's so outdated, why would the Lord put his, you know, his the revelation of Jesus throughout the Old Testament is what I'm getting at. Uh, then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Got to get back to that. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his names to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Uh, you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, which is Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power on high. This, again, goes back to <coughs> excuse me, the commandment that Jesus gave his disciples and his followers, do not leave Jerusalem until you've received Holy Spirit, and that was the fulfillment of, of the Feast of Pentecost. Second um, Peter 3, 4. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as since the beginning of creation. So we know that Jesus, uh, um, he, you know, he's telling his disciples he must suffer, die, and, and sure enough, you know, um, and he did, and he, and he told them this in the resurrection. Uh, but he told him before that, too, I guess. He's, he's kind of very, in his way, reprimanding them, um, that you should have known this, you should have seen this. Then Numbers, I'm going back to Moses now, 16, 31 through 34, because I see a parallel of what will happen with the return of Jesus uh, before the, just before we get into <coughs> the third day. So, uh, this has to do with, uh, and I have this in the lower left. Let me point this back to video for a second for those following us on on video. Korah, uh, uh, who is what this is about, what I'm about to read in Numbers, or Korach, as, as it's pronounced in Hebrew, was the leader of the rebellion against Moses and his brother Aaron during the journey of the Israelites from Egypt to the land of Israel. So it was Korach and, and others who were responsible for carrying the tabernacle. But, you know, as, as I said, they were rebelling against Moses. They were, they were backbiting. They were murmuring. And uh, verse 31, 16, 31 through 34, as soon as he finished saying all this, the ground under them split apart. This is where, you know, the Lord had was coming with judgment. And the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed them and their households, and all those associated with Korach together with their possessions. So the earth swallows them, brings them down. They went down alive into the realm of the dead. And I think that's so important because we know where hell is. Hell is in the lower surfaces of the earth. And, you know, I, it's, it's in there. I did a, uh, a video, if anybody is interested, called The Origins and the Locations of Hell. You can find that on on our, uh, any of our platforms. Um, but I go into a pretty deep study about because we know exactly where hell is. Um, and it says they went down alive into the realm of the dead. And this would be referring to Sheol or, or um, uh, Hades. Um, not, no, oh, I forgot the name, Sheol, uh, the Old Testament name, I'm sorry. Uh, they, so when they went down to the realm of the dead with everything they owned, the earth closed over them, and they perished, and they were gone from the community. At the cries, all of the Israelites fled around them, shouting, the earth is going to swallow us too. 
And I say all that because I, I believe there is a, a, a very uh, specific parallel here as to when Jesus returns and he will judge the nations, he will judge the people. And, uh, you know, th- th- there'll be the sheep and the goat, and, and you will be judged. And, and if you are not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're not into the family of the Lord, you know, this is what awaits you. And, and it's, he's giving you fair warning, and it's a fair uh, and, and, and righteous revelation. But again, I, I, I see that as another example that Moses laid out of what we are to see, where the Lord judges and these people were, were, were protesting, they were backbiting, they were coming against the anointed of the Lord, coming against Moses and Aaron, and that, that was their sentence. And the Lord showed the people, you know, just what awaits you unless you, um, you, you, you listen to the word of the Lord, you adhere to what the Lord is offering you um, in these Old Testament camps. So I want to kind of lay out on a little bit of a map here or a chart, I should say, of a little bit of a small timeline about the first day, the second day, and the third day, first millennium, second millennium, third millennium. So we know, and, and this is widely, widely accepted when we get into the, uh, the timing of the crucifixion of Jesus, uh, just about everybody after exhaustive research has come to the conclusion, and I'm talking about, you know, Historians, archaeologists, people well outside of the Bible come to the conclusion that uh, 30 AD was the death of his crucifixion. If you're not a believer, I can tell you that the authenticity of the life of Jesus is well documented by, uh, I think, 39 or 40 different sources uh, at the time he was alive and afterwards. And um, uh, in addition to that, verifying the, uh, um, the the crucifixion and the resurrection. So at any rate, so 30 AD is the timeline of where I want to go by uh, when we're talking about the millennium because that's when it starts. It starts with the birth or the rebirth or the opportunity to the church. It's really the beginning of the church age. But Zechariah 13.7 says this, uh, Awake sword against my shepherd. Shepherd would be a reference to Jesus against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord Almighty, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So the sheep are the nation of Israel, the Hebrews. Uh, they rejected Jesus, and we know that they were scattered throughout the nations. And that really began uh, in 30 AD with the crucifixion. It became readily fulfilled in 70 AD when Rome burned down the city of Jerusalem uh, and tore down the temple. Uh, so that begins at 30 AD. So I'm going to put you on, on, on video. I'll describe this for our podcast listeners. So 30 AD, first millennium, would be 1,030. That's, you know, basic math. The second millennium would take us to 2030 AD. So here I sit in 2023. If we're going by this timeline, we're seven years away. Um 1948, as we know, is the birth of, of, of Israel, and we're going to get into exactly how the Bible prophesied that. Um, and, and I would just say this, you know, for those people who do not understand the absolute miracle of Israel, the, the scriptures say that he will restore them twice, that first they were, uh, and he uh, prophesied that through Jeremiah that they would be captured by the Babylonians for 70 years, and then they would be scattered, captured again. They would come back to, the, to, to Israel, and then they would be scattered again throughout the nations, which there were, and I just referred to this 
at the crucifixion of, of Jesus. So both of those were prophesied, and then he said, then the nation will be brought back and restored. He even goes on to say in Isaiah that how can a nation be born in a day? And sure enough, the Hebrew nation has been born in a day. May 14th, 1948 is when it declared its independence. So not only has this nation been restored, the Lord prophesied it twice. He said the first time would be to the Babylonians and the second time they would be scattered uh, throughout the world. And that's exactly what happened. And he said, I will bring them back. Uh, in a day, and sure enough, and there are other uh, prophecies aligned to it. How can the desert bloom? You have flowers and roses and all wonderful things growing in this little pocket of a land in the Middle East. And uh, uh, there's just so I, I guess what I was what I've been thinking about lately. If you think about the the miracle of Israel and the Hebrew people. They not only came back, but they restored their language, and that's also uh, recorded in the Old Testament. I will restore their language. So think about this. If you are a Jewish person, you've been raised uh, as a young boy or girl, you've been raised and taught Hebrew. You learn the Hebrew alphabet. You learn how to read Hebrew and speak Hebrew. So that means they could look at artifacts thousands of years ago, and learn how, and know how to read it. So, you know, so many times if you think, like, do you know an Amorite? Do you know a Canaanite? Uh, you know, the answer is no. And if you would see some of the, and we know that they were there thousands of years ago, but if you would see some of the artifacts or some of the archaeological digs, you would look at things and they would look, for lack of a better word, like hieroglyphics to you. But yet if you're a young boy, girl, or elderly, you would be able to uncover a lot of the things from ancient Israel and look at it and read it and understand it. So that in of itself is is pretty much of a, to me anyway, it's, it's pretty mind-blowing. I mean, uh, you, you know, I have trouble reading the King James at times with, you know, the, the, the old English. And so I, I, I'm just saying that because I think that's just another miraculous sign. Um, and so at any rate, we're coming near the end of the second millennium. We're coming near uh, close to tw- uh, uh, 2030. And I wanted to show you on this map because I think it's, it's pretty indicative of 1948. Now, keep in mind that the end of the Jewish day is at sunset. Uh, so I would say potentially, and you know, this is just my opinion. I'm not saying this is scriptural or sense. But if you think about, and I'm showing you on video, if you think about 1948 to uh, 2030, you would say that that is at the sunset of this millennium. So 1,030 to 2030, 1948, little less than 100 years, you're sunsetting the millennium. I see a correlation there. And again, just my opinion, as I like to say. Um, but, but, but I think that's significant. So then if you get to 2030, we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know when Jesus will return. I'm not predicting any dates. But here's where I am going, is that 2030 is a possibility. Tomorrow's a possibility. 2035 is a possibility. Uh, 2028 is a possibility. But, it, you know, the word says that we do not know the day or the hour, but we'll know the seasons, we'll know the timing. And if we look at things, it is potential that things are starting to line up that way, that we could be getting close to the rapture of the church 
and the re- which would begin, or, or shortly thereafter, would begin the, the seven years of tribulation, which would bring you into 2030, which could bring you to the return of Jesus. So um, for those of you who do not believe, you know, I encourage you to search this out. And I always say, ask the Lord to show you. And I promise you, if you're, if you're open and you're honest and you're not sure of who the Lord is, ask him. Because I promise you, he will show you one way. He'll find a way to show you. I, I promise you that. Um, so I, I, I see that we're getting potentially to that third millennium. And remember what he said, I will live with you in that third millennium. I will, on the third day, if I go back to, let me see if I can find this. Bear with me a second. Um, after two days, he will revive us. Two days, we're, they're brought back into the land. On the third day, so he will revive us, meaning he's brought us back into the land, but on the third day, he will restore us and will live in his presence. So if you look at the third millennium, and that, that is where Jesus comes back. And for the third, for the thousand years, the last thousand years, uh, that is where he lives and reigns on earth with us. And then we rule, with, we reign with Jesus. Uh, that's, that's another topic in and of itself, but I, there is a thousand-year reign uh, uh, where we will be on the earth with Jesus, a restored earth, thank God. Um, so I want to show some things about 1948. Um, if you're an old-timer, get out your calculator. If, if you're younger, maybe get your software, your program out about your, your, how you can do some mathematical calculation. I'm going to show you the formula here, how this was foretold in the Bible, a couple of different formulas here, thousands and thousands of years before it happened. Um, I, side note, as, as we talk about, so Luke 3.23 through 38 gives you the genealogy of, of Abraham, I'm sorry, of Adam to Abraham to Jesus, gives you the entire genealogy. And um, we know because of that, and we know when Abraham was born, and Abraham is the father of Israel, that coincidentally, not my, not in my opinion, but from Adam to Abraham is 1,948 years. So I'm going to start there. So 1948 uh, from, now Adam is not Hebrew. He's not an Israelite. You know, he's what you would consider maybe a Gentile. Um, and, but uh, Adam is the father of the Hebrew nation. So 1948 there. Now I'm going to give you some things. It's going to take me a couple of minutes to explain this. Please stay with me. I'm going to show you the scriptures on the screen because there's some math in here that just will will rock you. Uh, and and again, you can bear this out with your cal- with your calculator. So let me go to the screen. I'm going to stay up here. I'm going to read this aloud for the podcast listeners. Um, Jeremiah 25 7 through 14 is my example with a couple of highlights in here that I'll show you. The Lord says this, but you did not listen to me, declares the Lord, and you have aroused my anger and what, uh, what your hands have made, and you have brought harm to yourselves. Then the Lord Almighty says this, because you have not listened to my words, I will summon all the peoples of the north and my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord. I will bring them against his land and his inhabitants against the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and scorn and everlasting truth. 
I will banish from them the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and the bridegroom, the sound of millstones and the light of the lamp. The whole country will become a desolate wasteland, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. So this, you know, I alluded to this a little bit earlier. So it was foretold, the Lord warned, uh, uh, and the warning went through Jeremiah, his prophet, and he said it's they're going to be captured by the Babylonians. And sure enough, history bears this out exactly as the Lord had prophesied before this actually happened. And it was for 70 years. Daniel 9.2 says this, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So here you have another major prophet. Now, Jeremiah had stayed behind in Israel. Uh, Daniel is looking at this probably after Jeremiah had had passed away. He knew of him. There's nothing there that would say he knew him. Um, And it's probably you know, the next generation. But he says, I, so he, so Daniel's got this in the back of his mind. He knows that he's part of the ones who have been captured and taken to Babylon, but because he was highly educated, he was served in the king's court um, and, and served Nebuchadnezzar. And, uh, but that's an, another piece of, so just something else. I'm not going to get into that. So I'd like to take you to Second Chronicles 36, 20 through 23, just setting the stage Israel's been captured, just as the Lord prophesied, for 70 years, and now they're about to be brought back. The declaration goes forth. The land enjoyed its Sabbath rest all the time of its desolation. It rested until the 70 years were completed in fulfillment of the word that the Lord was spoken by Jeremiah. So what the Lord is saying there is the land rested. There's a, a, a scriptural premise that the land must rest every seven years, and the uh, uh, the Lord is saying that in this 70 years of captivity, the land rested because the Hebrews were not honoring the uh, um, the instructions of the Lord to rest the land. And I will say, side note, uh, most Israeli farmers and, and, and agri- people involved in agriculture, they follow this today. They rest their land the seventh year. And it's also um, uh, a time where if you've got uh, vegetation and harvest that the workers and people around can go in and pick, and they're not charged for it. They, they open up the land, and it's it's part of the, the the Lord's way of giving back to the people. And you are blessed in it. And if you think about it, again, I go back to the agriculture of Israel and the vegetation and the and the wonderful fruits and vegetables and produce and flowers and everything that blew. It's a wonderful, wonderful place if you haven't been there. Um, and it's so it just proves it out. It proves that the miracle of the of the rose blossom or the flower blossoming in the desert, if you adhere to the instructions of the Lord. So it goes on to say, in the first year of Cyrus the king of Persia. Now, this is where the Persians had defeated the Babylonians. The Persians have now taken over the Medo-Persian Empire. In order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved on the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia to make up a proclamation throughout the realm and also to put it in writing. And this is what he puts in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build a temple for him of Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up and may the Lord 
their God be with you, and, and he sets them on their course. So this is where uh, the Medo-Persian Empire has given um, freedom to the Jewish people, to the Hebrews, to return to their land. And this is after 70 years, exactly as the Lord prophesied. This is documented in historical document, um, recorded in historical documents, again, outside of the Bible. Just go into the precision of, 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 of the Bible. So with all that being said, I'd like to bring you to some things in Leviticus that will show us the math formula that I'm about to release to show you 1948. Uh, let's see, Leviticus 26, 21 through 28. And again, if you're following, well, let me go to video here. I should have done that. And that other second chronicle scripture is up there. So on the right-hand side where I've got Leviticus, uh, the yellow highlight, and if you walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. And you may not be, uh, verse 23, and if you will not be reformed by me, by these things, but will walk contrary to me, then I will also walk contrary to you and will punish you yet seven times. And notice I'm underlining this in red. And then there's a third one down below. And if you will not far off listen unto me, but walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you also in fury. I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. So you, you, you get the whole idea of seven. He's done that three times in, that, in those few verses. Um, now I'm going to go jump to verse 33. I will scatter you among the nations and will draw out my sword and pursue you. Your land will be waste and your cities will lie in ruins. Then the Lord will enjoy its Sabbath years all the time. Remember the land of the rest, the Sabbath, you know, being rest, that it lies desolate and you are part of the country of your enemies. Then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. All the time that it's desolate, the land will have the rest it did not have during the Sabbath that you lived in it. So now he's foretold of what is to come. He's about to scatter them to the nations because they, they, they did not adhere to uh, the instructions of the Lord. And he's given them, you know, hey, this is, you will be punished seven times or, um, yeah, the multiplication of seven times. But in that time that you are outside of the land, the Sabbath's years will, that rest that the land needed will, will be granted. Just as, so in other words, just as what happened with the Babylonian captivity, the same thing happened with the captivity uh, where, where they were scattered into the nations. So this is where I say the Lord's math. I'm going to go to Ezekiel 4, 4 through 6, because he's going to prophesy things to happen. Uh, verse 4, Lie thou also upon thy left side, and lay thy iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. According to the number of days that that shall lie upon it, that shall be their iniquity. For I have let, and I will say that Ezekiel uh, was in the land of, of uh, the Babylonians at this time. He and Daniel were probably, I don't know that they probably didn't know each other, but they were at the same time in history that they were in that land. For I have laid upon thee the years of their iniquity, according to the number of the days, 390 days shall, shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. So remember, each day represents a year. And when thou hast, so where you had um, uh, 
uh, the the earlier formula, whereas a day uh, a day is as of a thousand years, and a thousand years is of a day. Here specifically, he's saying each day represents a year. So according to the number of days that you will lie on your side, that will equate to the number of years. And when thou hast accomplished them, lie again on thy right side, and then thou shalt bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days. So I have appointed. Uh, the each day for a year. So each day represents a year. So every day I am lying on my side, Israel will be judged by God for that year. So if you do the math, and if you say 390 plus 40, it equals 430 years. So those, those were the instructions that the Lord gave Ezekiel as a sign of what is to come. So if you consider that the Babylonian captivity has already happened, and that so they've paid 70 years, so they've, it's almost like they've, gotten a, they've received a 430-year sentence and they've served 70 years in time, that brings you to 360 years that's not served. So here's where I'm going with the math. <laughs> Stay with me. 360 times 7 equals 2,520 years. Now, the, I've, I've said this before, the Jewish calendar uh, goes by the lunar calendar. It's a 360-day year. It's not a Gregorian calendar or a Roman calendar like us where we have 365 days and, and, and whatnot. So if you take 2,520 years and you multiply it times 360 days, that gives you 907,200 days. Now, we know that there was three stages of, of the invasion of uh, the Babylonians into Israel. First was 605 to 607, 600 uh, was the second wave, and 586 was the third wave, B.C. So, again, this is just bore out historically. 605 B.C., if you go 70 years in captivity, that would bring you to July 23rd, 536 B.C., again, because we know the dates, uh, because... Uh, just a side note, be, be, historically speaking, when they were giving the decrees and the kings, they would happen at certain times of the year and certain days in the year. Um, but suffice to say, and I, I, and I can you know, show you some other time, we know that July 23rd, 536 B.C. was, was the time uh, of, of the decree from Cyrus to the release of the Jews. So if you go July 23rd, 536 B.C., when Cyrus gave that release, and if you add 907,200 days, what do you come up with? Drum roll, please, and I'm going to go to video. Yep, May 14th, 1948, the exact day and year. In other words, the Israelis served, or the, the time that they were given, and I show you some of the headlines here of the independence of Israel. So laid out in Scripture where the Lord said, this because of your disobedience, this is the time that I am going to give you that you will be removed from the land and you will be brought back to the land. And at the culmination of the second millennium, May 14th, 1948. <coughs> and if you don't believe me, I'm going to show you something else. Um, I'm going to go to some verses now. So let me just show you something on, on the screen. I've got a couple more of these formulas that, again, just the, the precision and the uncanniness of, 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 of the math here is just it's a mind blower. 
In the Hebrew scrolls, there are no verses or chapters. We didn't have any of that back then. They were added in a translation in A.D. 1227 by the Archbishop of Canterbury, Stephen Langton. If you are adding the verses where the thought changes, this is why some verses are longer and some are shorter. The Wycliffe Bible of 1382 was the first to use the chapters. The Hebrew Bible was later divided into chapters and verses in 1448 by Rabbi Nathan, following the same formula. We have in our Bible and the chapters and the verses <coughs> as outlined <coughs> excuse me, in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, I show you what they are. Uh, Genesis 15.33, Exodus as 12.13, Leviticus has 859 verses, Numbers has 1,288, Deuteronomy 959, giving you a total of 5,852 verses in the, in the Torah, in the, in, in the books of, um, of Moses. So if, let me just say this, the, the, the Hebrew calendar 1948 is the Hebrew year 5708. It's, it, it's the same. So if we go to the 5708th verse, it brings us to that same, as, as I said, the exact verse, 5708 equals, on the Hebrew calendar, equals 1948 on our Gregorian calendar. What is the scripture of the 5708? the 5,708th verse. It is this. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which the fathers possessed, and they shall possess it, and he will do thee good and multiply thee above thee fathers. So you will come into your land. I am restoring your land back to you. And, and the, so that exact verse is what rings out for 1948. Uh, and again, 5708 would be the, the Hebrew year. Let me give you a... a um, yeah, let me give you a couple of others here. I'm just going to wind this down. Let's call this the bonus section because I'm going to give you another math formula that goes to Jerusalem. So uh, for those of you who don't know, 1948, Jerusalem's recaptured. Um, they have <coughs> parts of Jerusalem, West Jerusalem, they and uh, the Arabs um, and you know, they still try to claim today that that's their capital. So 1967, you had the Six-Day War. It was the miracle where they were surrounded by all of their enemies, east, west, north, and south. And um, they not only won this in six days, they reclaimed their, their land, uh, the Sinai, the Golan Heights, and uh, the entire city of Jerusalem. They, they captured East Jerusalem. So what I wanted to show you here is that same formula that I gave you, uh, you know, I, I, without getting a lot into this, and I'll lay it on video so, you, you know, you can look it up and do your own math. Uh, but I wanted to show you something of just how precise the Lord is. Um, I, I'm going to Jeremiah 38, 17 through 18. Then said Jeremiah unto Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, if thou wilt assuredly go forth unto the king of Babylon's princes, then thou shalt live. The city shall be burned with fire, and it shall live in thine house. But if you will not go forth to the king of Babylon's princes, then shall this city be given into the hand of the Chaldeans, and they shall burn it with fire, and they shall not escape out of their hand. And this is exactly what happened. I give you the, the math of what I gave you earlier with the Babylonians. First wave, 605 to 607, second and third wave. 
So there is the Hebrew month, and, and I explain this down here uh, on the bottom in the purple section, where the temple, temple was destroyed and the city was burned by the, uh, by the Babylonians. And we know this as uh, what is called, referred to as Av, which is a, 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 a section of months. Um, and we know the Gregorian equivalent to that is July and August. Um, so we know that this is when the temple was destroyed. Uh, let's see if I can read this. Uh, Av is the 11th month of the civil year and the fifth month of the ecclesiastical year on the Hebrew calendar. The name comes from Ara Abu, or the month of Abu, from the Babylonian calendar, and it appears in the Talmud around the 3rd century. It is one of several months which are not explicitly named in the Hebrew Bible. Again, we know that the number of days is 30, just as you know, most, most months are that we know today. So if we take that 430 minus the 70 paid by the Babylonians, there's 360 years not yet served. We know that. 360 times 7, 2,520 days, uh, 20 years. So if you go by the Jewish or the Babylonian calendar, lunar calendar is 360 days per year. So if you go 2,025 times 360, it's 907,200 days. The same math, not changing anything. However, now if you go to on the 9th, which is the 70 years of captivity, and we know this today by uh, the historical documents, it was August 16th, 517 B.C. So again, we know that precisely because of historical documents outside of the Bible. So if you take August 16th, 517 B.C., and you add those 907,200 days, exactly as I said before, what happens? It brings you to August, uh, I'm sorry, June 7th, 1967, which is the day that Jerusalem was, was uh, liberated. And the, the Hebrew or the Israelites now captured and, and have, uh, and, you know, th their rightful capital in, in the nation of Israel is Jerusalem. So again, the Lord's showing you exactly, knowing that the, the, uh, the, historically what would happen, and he shows you exactly when the city will be recaptured and come back into the land. And again, all of this is bore out from history. I'm going to show you one last thing concerning verses as I wind this down. Uh, Hebrew year 5727 is 1967 and 68, <clears throat> going by the verses that I, I said to you before. Deuteronomy 31.4 says this, The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations, but from before you, you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord said. And the Lord will do them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites in their land when he destroyed them. This is in the Golan Heights. So this is the land of Sihon and Og, which without getting it, they, they were the part of the Nephilim giants. Um, so sure enough, in that Six-Day War, 1967 and 68, is when the Israelites recaptured and now have the Golan Heights as their home. So I'm showing you two different formulas, both mathematically according to, exactly according to Scripture, exactly according to the days of what the Lord laid out would be their punishment, how long they must be, <coughs> excuse me, removed from the land of Israel, and if that wasn't enough, 
then you go and you count the verses. And because obviously the Lord knew that we would break the Bible down into verses. And he gives you, so these are all signs for anybody who is, is a skeptic or may not believe. Um, you, you know, you you just can't. And again, I, I am bringing into account not only the Bible, but I'm bringing into account outside historical documented records that fall in line exactly as the Bible laid out. So, you you know, you just can't, you can't get around that. And, uh, and that's why I say to you, if you don't know the Lord, I mean, he's showing you these are signs. There's signs all around us. Um, and these are, and the restoration of Israel, and many people have said it, and I agree, is the Lord's super sign that the, he would restore them for a second time, exactly as he said, and he's done that. And um, we are nearing the end of the second millennium. We are nearing the end, which will begin the third millennium, which is the physical return of Jesus. And I would just say to you, Jesus, if you, if, 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 you know, some people think I'm, I, I'm good enough or I'm a, I'm a nice person, I've done this, I'm a charitable person, it has nothing to do with, with what you've done. It's your relationship with Jesus. It's not about religion. It's about accepting him and knowing him and, and welcoming him into your heart and, and living just an incredible life with him. The revelation of the one who created you, the one who made you, the one who put your parents in line and put your children in line. So um, again, if you're not sure, I'm just going to close with this two scriptures because I've been talking so much about Jesus and Israel and the timing of everything. And Psalm 102, 16 says this, when the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory, meaning Israel. And Jesus says this in 24, 32 through 35, now learn a parable of the fig tree when his branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves, know that summer is nigh. Uh, so likewise, when you see these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things have been fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not. So this generation, the Bible defines generation as between 70 and 80 years. If you do the math between 1948 to where we are, uh, we're about 20, we're about 75 years there. We're, we're, we're getting close. So, you know, again, we don't know. I'm not predicting times or anything like that. But if you look at all the signs around us, and Jesus gave us these signs for a reason, um, he's showing you that, you know, the time is drawing close. So I would encourage you, again, if you're skeptical, to please, uh, you know, email me. Email russicoutlook at gmail.com. I'd love to exchange information with you and um but if not you know go to your local church search out some pastors ministers uh people who you know men women friends co-workers uh talk to them and um you know that that that's it but i just so i hope i kind of brought this all together because i think there's just so much of an abundance of information throughout the word of god pointing you to the cross pointing you to jesus and, I, and I'll say, I said it earlier, I'll say it again. Jesus is in every book of the Old Testament. It's been all laid out, it's been laid out for us. So um, on that note, again, if you have any questions or comments, I'd be happy to take them. Uh, email russicoutlook at gmail.com. I appreciate your time. God bless you. And remember, you've been listening to the Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion.